You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Joey Terrell. Joey, thanks so much for being with me today. Great to be here. Thank you. Joey, let's talk about your show, um, at What is Our Project? This is a show that's up through February 25th of this year, which is 2023. And um, yeah, I'd like to go through this show a little bit because it's a it's a big show in a beautiful space in, in the city, and uh, and it's called Cut and Paste because we're because of what we're looking at, right? We're looking at collage in here, a survey of collage, actually, from early work until now. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And, you know, there's uh, perhaps a little bit of uh, a touch of humor with the title Cut and Paste because most people today in this century, when they think of cut and paste, they're talking about editing their, you know, emails. And I'm talking about actually cutting with scissors or razor blades, uh, you know, materials that they get pasted together as a collage, old style, old school, last century. It's funny how those how those names persist, right? Cut and paste, and so many others which no longer have the same right. meaning. But those are all from early uh, early layout, right? Early layout uh, language of graphic yeah. design and, and more. Yeah. Yep. So how how far does this go go back? Um, the show. What what are the earliest works we're seeing in here? The 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 earliest works. It, it, I, I should give a little a uh, uh, little bit of context here. So. The earliest works are from my college days at Immaculate Heart. They, they start in like 1974, where I was doing silk screening. And, you know, the Immaculate Heart art department, uh, especially at that time, was still very much under the influence of Sister Corita Kent. And so one of the things that we would do would be to make old-style silk screens where we would cut out tracing paper to block out the color. So rather than, you know, fo- you know uh, photographic silk screening or other methods, it was uh, uh, cutting and pasting onto the silk screen. And that led into my very um, illustrative and, and almost cartoon-like painting style uh, in the mid-'70s. So that's, that's the start of the show there to show where and how it was an introduction into silk screening that led to collage, which led into painting. But there's uh, works that range from the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, up until today. So it, it's, it's amazing to me that we're talking about five or six, technically, five or six decades of work in using collage. So the first work, um, done in college, you were... Um, studying under Sister Corita Kent, uh, she's an extraordinary figure. Uh, did you take classes? I mean, to me, she is. I mean, and she has her place in history. She's she's just done, you know, remarkable work and stands out in a number of ways. Can you tell me a little bit about her and, and her influence, if there was, on you while you were there? Sure. Well, you know, uh, well, first of all, I, I entered I entered Immaculate Heart in 1973. You know, fresh out of high school. Um, and you know, for full, dis- I had an academic state scholarship, and I was I was accepted at UC Berkeley or Immaculate Heart College. Could there be two any more different uh, <laughs> institutions, right? And I chose the one that was local. It was LA. It was Hollywood, and it was you know very very small, a small campus. 
and a beautiful campus, little campus. But I was, you know, I was a, you know, good Catholic boy, whatever, that was just enthralled with the posters and the work and the and the silk screens that were coming out of um, the Immaculate Heart Art Department in the late 60s, but also the progressive and even radical politics that were combined with, you know, what I thought was just beautiful, colorful, um, you know, uh, combinations of pop art as well as progressive thought and, and politics. So uh, by the time I was there in 73, she had already left the campus, but I was being uh, instructed by former students of Corita who remained at the college to then continue in her spirit. So, And then I, I did actually get to meet her one time. Uh, I think it was 75. She came back to the campus to visit, and it was in the library. And, you know, all of us were just, you know, goo-goo-ga-ga to meet her and shake her hand and uh, give her a hug. So um, that was uh, her, her, her combination of the political advocacy with pop art was something that appealed to me um, a lot. And, um, and that's, that's why I went there, and that's where I think I really um, developed, uh, you know, my, my later styles. That's fascinating to hear, and, and, and so let's, let's talk about, to jump right to the, the later styles, um, which is, I mean, this is jumping, I think, to the, to the 90s when there's a, um, an image of, of a person holding a bomb surrounded by a, um, a cartoon bomb, uh, and, and this was something, you know, it sounds like you're beginning to refer to here, right? This, this particular image plays to, um, uh, you know, both activists and, 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 and the sense of maybe the color you're talking about. It's an individual holding a, a bomb with East Los Angeles on his jacket surrounded by butterflies and, and, and timepieces. Um, yeah, this, right. this, was, this was a fascinating piece that seems to be very telling about what you're discussing in terms of your influences. Yeah. So, so uh, again, full disclosure, that individual is me. Um, so, and that was an image from the 1970s. In uh, and, and like 78 and 79, I did a, uh, it was a precursor to what we would call the zine scene. I did an art piece uh, called Homeboy Beautiful Magazine. Uh, it was never meant to be a, uh, you know, an, an ongoing periodical. It was done as an art piece in the form of a very politically incorrect uh, um, um, magazine format in which I was on the cover. Um, the, and it was looking at the, the general culture and white culture's fear of brown people and Latinos and Chicanos specifically, and it was filled with humor. The, the sensibility of it was like John Waters films uh, or um, National Lampoon or Monty Python, and, um, and we had a great time doing it. I would do these photo essays, and one of them, I play Santos, a, um, a reporter who uh, is investigating a, a secret uh, homeboy terrorist organization, all just made up in my head. And for that image, I'm shown uh, you know, with my jacket that says East LA, and I'm holding a bomb, but it's a cartoon bomb. It's a sort of it's on cardboard, and it's the sort of bomb that you would see from, uh, you know, the uh, Roadrunner cartoons with, with Wiley Coyote. 
Um, and on the original cover of the magazine, I was standing in front of a mural. 20 years later or so in the 90s, I replicated that but in a much larger image in the painting that you're talking about. And it, at that point in time, it was more about me standing in, uh, feeling these ang the anxieties and, and all of the, around all of the death and dying that was going on around me from HIV and AIDS um, and the element of time. The title of the piece is called When I Was Young, and it shows me there holding the bomb. And again, surrounded by, as you said, all these butterflies that are kind of floating away along with these uh, like antique illustrations of, um, of, of timepieces, like pocket watches. Um, those were illustrations that were actually taken from uh, a Sears catalog, and, um, and the butterflies were uh, illustrations taken from a, a life series uh, book on uh, South America. Um, but the ideas were that, you know, time was on my mind and of the essence and floating away. And at that point in time, I thought that I was going to die from AIDS, similar to all of my other friends around me. And I, I placed it when I was young. I, I titled it when I was young because when I was young, um, I, was, I was out in the streets. I was, I was engaging with, you know, the underground art scene, queer scene, whatever it was, um, up until, you know, the, the 80s, and then uh, HIV and AIDS hit, and everything changed. So that's the, that's the underlying uh, reason for uh, that particular piece. Um, I don't know if that explained it. That is, yeah, no, that's really helpful. And then, and then from there, I mean, there's so much in the show we could talk about, but I wanted to also talk about the series of works that um, I, I think are, are, are continuing to go on of, um, that, are, that are using Caravaggio's The Entombment of Christ, um, The Entombment of Christ. Um, yes. Can you tell me a little bit about those? Because that's, that's a series that spans quite a few years, correct? Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll back up to in the early 80s, um, when a friend of mine asked me if I would make a quilt to contribute to the Names Project quilt, which was going to be displayed in Washington, D.C. for the very first time. And it was for uh, his partner, my good friend, Jerry Matus. And I, I painted on canvas, I painted just his name in very graphic uh, black font with, uh, with beautiful pastel colors that I knew he would like. And I thought to myself, this is what I should do. I should paint or do a quilt for every friend that I know that, that dies from AIDS, quickly realizing if I do that, I would never have time for anything else. So I kept trying to think of ways to indicate the enormity of the people that were lost to HIV and AIDS, uh, not just my friends, but even you know uh, people that you would see. The obituaries were just filled with everyone from choreographers, dancers, musicians, you know, club kids, uh, just you know, everywhere, and I thought, how does one indicate that in a way, in my way of thinking, that every every life had value? I was always a fan of Caravaggio, and in looking at Caravaggio's work and the Entombment of Christ, I was struck by the the figure of the dead Christ and the the way that I think it's Nicodemus and other folks around him are leaning over him and showing their grief. And I thought, you know, 
that is how we should view every person who died from AIDS. Because as you know, at the time, people were being vilified. It was God's punishment. I mean, the, it was just a horrible, horrible stigmatization of human beings. And so I borrowed from Andy Warhol repetition and chose that image and replicated it with the idea that every person that died from AIDS was deserving of the uh, feelings that we have about the sanctity of someone passing on. And I've continued to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm currently just FYI finishing up on a, um, a very large diptych that is uh, 50 of the repeated images. And in those, uh, I'm doing this because I've always said that uh, I, I stopped counting after 50. Once I knew 50 people that had died, and, and you know, when, when I'm talking about 50, I'm talking about from the closest people, lovers, ex-boyfriends, etc., to coworkers, students, um, people I knew, you know, from the supermarket, people I knew that at the dry cleaners, and um, it was just uh, pervasive all around. And so I wanted to equate everyone, um, and, and I chose to do the repeated image like that, and I and I did it very colorful as well. Um, and I, I like that image because it not only sh- indicates the death uh, of the, the human Christ, but it also shows the grieving, and that was important to me. So um, that's that's the basis for uh, doing that work. And I, I've done them in various multiples and variations over the years, and um, now completing the one of 50 on a diptych. Wow. So this is so that's that's still ongoing, and and the work you're you're continuing to use multiples, which um, which is right. is also like also a pop reference, right? Perhaps to Andy Warhol, perhaps to, to to many other artists. Yes. And and you know one one of the things that occurred to me as I was I was looking at them all laid out, you know, with, uh, with all the various colors. Some of the colors are you know they're each each. Each image is the same image, but each image is individually painted. And so every image is a different color. But some of the colors are similar. So in my head, I'm thinking that, you know, this is one where this body is orange, and it's like the person up, up above, three, three images over, that was also orange. And I look at it as, you know, in some ways, that's the way the disease travels by people engaging in various tribes that are the same color, et cetera. The, the other thing I should point out here, though, is that, you know, uh, as, as an artist, I was one that always had to have a day job, quote-unquote. And, you know, and, and for over 17 years and longer, I, I, I worked in HIV advocacy on a variety of levels. But um, for the last uh, six years, 17 years, I worked at AIDS Healthcare Foundation. And the last six years, I was uh, Director of Global Advocacy and Partnerships. We're talking five global bureaus, 1.7 million people in care. So I had the opportunity, which I relish, to travel to uh, South Africa, Kenya, Uganda, Haiti, Jamaica, uh, China, uh, Cambodia, Thailand, et cetera, et cetera, and meet with and talk to individuals who uh, were HIV positive. Now, mind you, in this century, the messaging is way different in terms of there's medications that keep you alive. But I, of course, came to fully realize that the stigma, the misogyny, the homophobia 
that a lot of us, you know, don't really deal with on a daily basis is still prevalent in a lot of these countries. And in, in Africa, 75% of the cases are women and girls. So, you know, this was, the, this was, you know, what I was doing and going, you know, in my day job and meeting and talking to people in other countries. And that was also what prompted me to continue that series. My role in doing that, unlike our medical professionals, you know, who are, who are there to provide medical care and treatment, I'm not a doctor, but my role was to inform people that I have been living, well, now, as of this year, 43 years HIV positive. And for some of these teenagers, to have someone tell them that directly, where all they've known is their parents died, the village, everyone in the village died, the, their grandparents died, you know, uh, it's, they still were thinking that their lives were coming to a close. And my message to them was that, no, you're going to keep on living and you're going you're gonna, to, you know, have children if you want, you're going to get gray hair, you're going to you know, be able to lead your lives. So I'm here to, and I'm the proof of that. So that was part of my messaging. So, again, that's the context of what I was going through in my day job when I was doing some of this work, artwork. Thank you for, for sharing that. I mean, and, and also, in terms of gay culture, queer culture, so much has shifted and changed, right, in, in the time from the beginning of your career to now, because we're looking at a retrospective of your work, but also in, in terms of, um, of activism and just also, you know, a kind of, um, very grueling, difficult period of, of history in terms of all the denial, like you were saying. Um, 2023 is a different year, right? I don't, I don't know who the kids are that you're talking to about this, but I would imagine that um, the culture has changed well, dramatically. And, or, or no, or you said some things are the same. Of course, there's hate and all kinds of things, but yeah. Has it changed? Well, yeah. The, the, the cult- sure, the, the culture has changed dramatically, but, you know, and to, for, from my perspective, in the current zeitgeist, our, our, you know, what's, what's playing out on the political field today is just abysmal, and we're going backwards. The state of Tennessee just uh, announced that they were going to reject federal dollars for HIV prevention because they didn't want those federal dollars to go to LGBTQ organizations or, or to, to service the transgender community because the federal dollars come with caveats that mean that they have to be you know, presented to these communities without any judgment, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, that's going backwards. And, you know, and sure is. that's not news to anybody, you know. So, uh, again, I was reminded of, God, that stigma, uh, you know, is still with us on a variety of levels. And, you know, and even for, even for you know, I, I, I still meet, you know, young gay men who will have ideas about, um, you know, AIDS or HIV, which shows me how, how ignorant they are of some of the facts about transmission, about safety, about their own health. And, uh, you know, so it's, 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 still, uh, it's still out there and people are still dying. Of course, there is PrEP. There is, you know, there is prophylaxis treatment now that we didn't have years ago. And, you know, I encourage individuals who want to go on PrEP to make sure that they do it and follow the protocols and, you know, so, um, but again, it's, it's a disease that we're talking about. And, you know, when, when COVID-19 hit, I mean, <laughs> the parallels between, you know, folks that were resistant to, uh, you know, getting treatment and or 
all of the uh, conspiracy theories where it just reminded me of a lot of the things that we used to hear back in the day. So, um, you know, human beings, the culture shifts and changes, but human beings kind of stay the same on some level. That's so interesting. Joey, it's, it's been such a, a pleasure talking to you about your work and, and uh, the history um, in many ways of, um, that surrounds your work and the context. I, I want to thank you so much for that. But before we go, I want to ask you one more question, which is what are you reading at the moment? Uh, the, the latest book I'm reading is by uh, Professor Ricky Rodriguez, and it's uh, out of UC Riverside. And it's called uh, Kiss Across the Ocean. And it's his uh, tome about the relationship between um, the British post-punk music scene that includes Susie and the Banshees and, and, you know, and Culture Club and all that, and the response by Chicanos and Latinos uh, throughout the Southwest, but mostly in Southern California, which was something that has never actually been articulated um, in, in the way that he has done it, and I think he's done an excellent job. It's interesting because he, he's younger than me, so he was you know, a, a teenager at that time. I was already you know, at the clubs and doing stuff, but um, it, it's, it's, it's something that I think is interesting to see the, 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 the cross-referencing and the cross-cultural uh, connections with, uh, with the music. So, it has, it, again, it has nothing to do with HIV or AIDS per se, um, but, it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful book that I'm reading. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Joey, and I want to be sure that all the listeners know that at Ortizar Projects, the show is currently up that we're talking about cut and paste through February 25th and 2023. But Joey, thanks so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate your time and work and, and wish you well with this show. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.